A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And I tell you, gardeners are hardy souls. We've lots of questions. I didn't think we would on a day like today. Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. I was I was uh, out in it earlier, Trish, soaked to the skin, and I was wondering what well, I was actually enjoying it, which probably makes me sound a bit strange. But <laughs> the other half of me was going, "What am I at? What am I doing?" But anyway, yeah, there you go. The only thing is, I mean, I know there's been a lot of rain the last few days. The gardens really need it, don't they? They do. I mean, they've had a dry a dry few months, and so they will benefit from the rain certainly, and the soil will. And we won't we won't certainly won't grumble about it when you see like countries still across Europe waiting for it or looking for it, but. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, if we can be fussy, it's too heavy and it's too much at one time. But look, we, we have to take what we can get. That's, that's, that's the way it goes. Yeah, if somebody could turn it off now for a little while, please, it would be great. OK, let's get straight <laughs> into questions. Um, I set a Grislinia hedge, says this listener, about a year ago, but a few of them died this summer. Where did I go wrong? I put chicken feed and compost when I was planting them. I'd say it's quite simple, uh, quite simply just lack of water. I'd say you didn't go wrong as such. It's just lack of water. So they don't say whether she planted uh, the, the hedge bare root or potted, but either one will need plenty of water for the first 12 months. So and uh, for the first growing season, which was this summer, if they were bare root, even more so. But even the potted ones would need it. So um, th- th- I would be 99 percent sure that's what happened. Yeah, and it was only some of them. So you just fill in the gaps, is it? That's it. Um, come this winter now, I mean, from now, any time from now on, really, uh, you can replace, just fill in the gaps. Exactly. I wouldn't think there's any disease or anything causing it. I'd say it's just drought, so you can just replace them. And one of those annual questions, what's the best way to store apples? Uh, well, to store apples, the, the important thing is that they're cool and that they're dry, but that they're not touching each other. Uh, and we all, we've all seen the fruit bowl where one apple goes rotten and within two or three days, every bit of fruit is rotten. If they're touching each other, you see that the spores will travel between the fruits. So um, in traditional old apple storage houses, there were, there were kind of little slots and, and grooves for the apples to sit in. So you kind of want to do something similar. Obviously, not too many of us have old apple storage houses in our back garden. So you're, you're, if you wrap them in newspaper or something like that, so that just make sure the fruit isn't touching uh, and keep them somewhere cool uh, and dry. The cooler, the better and dry. And if I remember rightly, because I say it comes up every year, didn't somebody a number of years ago who lived by the sea now and had access to sand used to put them in sand? You're spot on. Yeah, I remember. Now that you say it, I remember. Yeah. But I forgot it. I think so. I suspect a bucket of sand again, so that the apples aren't touching each other. Yeah. Uh, I think that if, if from memory, yeah, that that worked a treat. And it would keep them dark as well and cool if you had them out in in yeah, in the shade of summer. Yeah. Keep them cool, yeah. yeah. Okay. Eleanor in Mallow is planning a new flower bed in her front garden, and she's putting all the planning in place. The garden faces north. She wants it to be bee friendly. What plants would Peter recommend? Also, she has some lime that she got from a friendly farmer can she dig that into the ground now or would it do more harm than good she also would like to plant bulbs and are wondering are any bulbs that are particularly bee friendly there are in terms of bulbs there are so you're looking at things like crocus uh, muscari which are the grape hyacinths um, winter aconites are another good one anemones are a good one um, but not all bulbs are good uh, like our daffodils and just tulips that we all love are, are may as well be artificial to the bees, unfortunately, because they're they're, they're no they're no good to them. Um, it's not to say we shouldn't plant them because I, I still love them, but in terms of which are the best for the bees, I would zone in on two in particular: crocus and boscari uh, are two very very good ones. Um, as regards the rest of that question, it's probably a bit too general to answer it with specifics. Like I could throw out plant names of of plants that will do north facing, that'll be good for bees, but. It depends on loads of different aspects, loads of different things like how, how high does she want shrubs, does she want perennials or uh, and what do you, what, you know, there's a lot more information you need before you could answer that question with any degree of accuracy. Um, as well as that, it ties in then with the, the question of the lime from the farmer. So you could look at, you know, planting things like leucothos, well, not so much leucothos rather, but you could look at planting things maybe like camellias and azaleas, which will do north facing but they wouldn't want lime. But then you might want to plant hydrangeas, pink hydrangeas, which would want lime. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's unfortunately not just a catch-all answer that I can give to say, mm. yes, put on the lime or not. 
there's a bit more information. Um, I would say the best thing to do is call to your local garden centre with a few photographs of the area, explain what you're looking for uh, and, and get advice that way would probably be the best thing to do. But it's fantastic to see people, you know, thinking ahead and wanting to do something that's going to be bee friendly because Trisha Kilavolan has also been on to us and she's planning to plant up a bee garden next spring and she's wondering what should she be doing in over the autumn and winter to prepare the ground because she said the section at the moment that she's deciding that she's going to put in this bee garden are for the bees. She said it's just it's just run with tall weeds. So she's wondering how do you, how does she prepare for it? Well, you know what? It depends what she wants to do with it. So when you say a bee garden, you could mean just like rewilding, which is one way of, of helping bees and, and local pollinators, just letting it go, letting it go wild as it sounds, rewilding it. So then your, your weeds and that, we stop looking at them as weeds and we start looking at them as, as beneficial plants to the pollinators. So you can just do that and let it go. Your second option is to remove the existing vegetation, this all the weed growth and put down some wildflower seeds, either during September uh, or in, I would probably better off maybe leave it till March and put down wildflower seeds in March, right? Um, and then you're going to get all these lovely cornfield annuals and other uh, uh, native Irish wildflowers, which will give you your lovely display. Your third option then is that you you do, you remove the, the weed growth that's there now, uh, but instead of putting seed down, you, you plant it with bee-friendly gar- bee plants to create that bee garden. So what that does is you're, you're getting that uh, established garden look much, much quicker because you're planting actual plants as opposed to seeds. So you're putting in little perennial plants. And as regards which ones are good for bees, again, going back to the last question, there's more information will be needed in ter- terms of in this call the aspect the soil type etc 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 but like you're looking at any of these th- and this is I suppose a general answer to both of those questions uh, when you're planting plants for bees you're looking for very simple flowers that's why wildflowers are so good what I mean by simple flowers Trish are these um, single blooms where there's just one layer of petals and the stamens and the pollen and nectar are easily available to the bees so if you can imagine if I if I say like a pom pom dahlia or a very double intricate rose or dahlia, you know what I mean. Yeah. When you have all those petals, they're no good or they're difficult for bees to feed from. Whereas if you can imagine uh, like a cornflower or if you know the rudbeckia or echinacea, which are just or even a single rose where the stamens are very obvious, like the wild hedgerow roses, they're perfect for pollinators. So a good rule of thumb is the more simple the flower, the better. And one thing to remember when you're planting plants in the, for, for, for bees, you want to avoid intensively hybridized plants and in particular F1 hybrids. So F1 hybrids are, are, are plants that have been specifically bred for a particular reason. It might be flower color. It might be length of stem or length of, of flowering period or something like that. Or they're also grown a lot in the, the world of vegetables. It might be for a particular size peas or a particular color or best flavor. But F1 hybrids are useless to bees and pollinators. So they should be avoided if you're planting a plant or a garden for bees. So that's kind of some general tips yeah, and advice without advice. getting into specific, Trish. Good advice. Harold's in the city wants to know, can he grow figs in Ireland? Uh, do you need a greenhouse for growing them? The reason he's asking is a friend in France has offered him some cuttings, but he also wants to know, would you need a licence to import the cuttings? 
You do, you, I'm going to say no, you don't need license to import the cuttings. You would if it was a plant, actually, not a license, because uh, without going too far into it, plants, plants travel the EU uh, very easy because they have what's called a plant passport, which is just a tracking number for plants so that if there is a disease, it can all be tracked back as to where it came from originally. Um, and you're not, to the best of my knowledge, you're not allowed to bring plants with soil into Ireland uh, as an individual unless it has that plant passport number. But if it's just cutting material, you should be safe enough. To the best of my knowledge, uh, you'd be absolutely fine just taking cuttings in. Um, and yeah, figs will grow very, very easily in Ireland. You absolutely easily just give them a good south or southwest facing wall uh, and they'll fruit away and um, uh, they'll, they'll, you won't need a glass house or anything. And in fact, I was in Italy during the summer and I had a fig uh, from a tree over there and it didn't taste half as good as the figs that grow in Ireland. So get there you away, go. get away. I, I remember yeah, a yeah. restaurant we used to eat in in Ibiza. It was actually friends of ours had the restaurant and they had this magnificent fig tree out on the, the sun deck where we, where we used to eat. And oh my goodness, just pulling the ripe figs and, and gorgeous eating fruit, oh, isn't it? Magnificent. It's I didn't realise that they grow so easily here. So off you go, Harold, and good yeah. luck with growing your figs. And he also wants to know, should he cut back lavender plants now and how do you do it? Okay, well, yes is the answer to that. But lavender is a question that never, ever, ever cut it back hard because it won't respond well. In fact, it'll probably just die on you. Um, so the, the lavender can get woody and leggy in our climate because our climate is so good uh, for in terms of plant growth. It's it's damp, as we we know right now. You can probably hear the rain in the background where I am. Um, so it's damp. The soil is good and rich. We're probably out there feeding it. And the, the, the lavender just loves it. And it keeps flowering and growing because in its native habitat, it's just growing in grit and very poor soil. Um, so to prevent that happening cut it back regularly so what I mean by regularly is about two or three times a year you know the textbook will say like this time of the year after flowering but I I think lavender kind of never stops flowering in Ireland so do cut it back now and what you want to do is go beneath the flower stem so cut off all of the flower stem and go into the foliage just a small bit a small few inches into the foliage making sure that you're leaving a good bit of foliage behind you because if you take off too much as I say, the plant will just, it, it won't respond well and it could die. Mary wants to know, her rhubarb is very strong at the moment. Do we pull it or leave it in the ground to die back? You pull it if, if pull it and use it, why not? If, if it looks fine, I would still use it. Yeah, absolutely, no problem. Mary in Mallow wants to know, is it possible to grow onions over the winter in a greenhouse? Uh, it is, it is, but I would say the. Sorry, I'm just thinking out loud now. I think you'd probably be better off doing it outdoors during the winter, just sowing them early, so you'd have them out. It might get too dry, you see, in indoors during the winter. So unless you keep them very moist, um, I'd be more inclined to to grow them outdoors. Now, the thing by if you sow them, let's say the onion sets in kind of November, December of this year, it just means you'll be harvesting them that bit earlier next year. So you you could you could. Um, sow some in November, December, then sow some more in January, February and even into early March, which means you'll have a good continuity at harvest time as well. You'd have a long, long period of them coming instead of them all coming at once. But I suppose in, in, in answer to the question, direct answer, yes, you could grow them indoors during the winter, but you would need to be very uh, careful of, of making sure they're well watered. And Maureen in the city has a lot of dahlias. How can she keep them over the winter for next year? Well, okay, I'm going to give you the textbook answer first and then I'm going to tell you what I do. Um, so the, te- the textbook answer is when all foliage and the dahlias has died back and the flowers are gone and they're a herbaceous plant, which means they'll die back for the winter. So come the first frost, and I, I hate to be even talking about that already, but come the first frost, 
uh, the, the, the dahlia will kind of turn to mush above the ground. So at that point, cut it back to ground level, take out the tuber, same as we would with daffodils or tulips or anything like that, just wrap it in a bit of straw or, or paper bags or, or newspaper, keep it somewhere cool and dry and plant it out again, I would say, next kind of February, March time. Um, that's what you need to do with dahlias. And what sure does our Peter do? Year to year. What Peter does is Peter is a bit too lazy for all that. Life life is too short for all that. So Peter leaves his dahlias in the ground. Uh, now, you know, depending on the variety, some will be more problematic than others in them coming back. But most of them will come back year after year if I leave them in the ground. The one thing they don't like in our climate, and today is an ironic day to be talking about it, is the amount of rain that we get. The amount of moisture can encourage or can cause the tubers to rot uh, from too much moisture. So that's why you should take them out, that more so than the cold. Uh, but but you can be a lazy gardener like me and hope for the best. Okay, and a final one. Hal in Canturk Plastic Tunnel wants to wash the plastic. What's a safe detergent to use inside of the tunnel? There are brand names off the top of my head I can't think of, but I know there are. If you Google a quick, um, uh, a quick Google search for organic disinfectants, organic garden disinfectants, there are some out there. I think Growing Success is one label that does one. Um, but I know there are there are several out there on the market, organic uh, disinfectants that you could use to clean that. Okay. okay, listen, have a great week and stay dry as best you can. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Thanks, <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com, uh, joining us and he will be back with us again next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.